Lord, we bless you as we come again, Lord, to look into the scripture and we pray that, Lord, you help us with your Holy Spirit and guide us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we have now concluded the missing dimension is now behind. Nineteen parts is there. Um, the first time we preached that, there was a, a PowerPoint presentation, which is online. You can see the different school of thought about the interpretation of the coming of Jesus Christ, the tribulation, etc. It's there. And then you have 19 parts of the seven letters written in the book of Revelation. We wanted today to continue with chapter 4, but we pause slightly to come with a selected topic, maybe for the next uh, two or three teaching, and then coming back to chapter 4 of Revelation, and we'll continue. Praise the Lord. So today, the biblical faith. Couldn't get any better title for this. Um, I had a choice between biblical faith and Christian faith. And I thought biblical is more secure <laughs> because Christian means different things for different people. <laughs> but the Bible uh, means the Bible. So I discard the Christian faith. And I call this the biblical faith. Today we are looking at the epistle of the, to the Hebrews, which I believe to be a memorial to the biblical faith. This book is a reference and a benchmark to the enduring biblical faith. In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 Jesus is said to be the author and the finisher of the faith. I am aware that in some Calvinistic version of the Bible they replace sometimes uh, author and finisher and they put is the founder of the faith. You see, there seems to be some wisdom in it, but uh, it reduces Jesus Christ to just a founder of a movement or something like that. You see, you think it's wisdom, but there is something. Muhammad is the founder of Islam, etc. Jesus Christ put it in the future. When he was here, he said, I will build my church in the future. He did not come to start a movement of uh, few unhappy people. No. He said, I will build my church. And in the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came in a unique, spectacular way. And that's how the church was born. Jesus is the author and the finisher of the faith. This faith is essential if we have to lead a life that is pleasing to God, we still don't know for sure who wrote this epistle. However, it was addressed to the Jewish believers who had firmly trusted the Old Testament and who had a deep affection for worship under Judaism. The author constantly compares the Old Covenant and the new covenant, carefully showing the superiority of the new covenant, the value of this book. The book of the Hebrew, Hebrews helps us to understand the Levitical, Levitical priesthood in the Old Testament versus priesthood under the new covenant. It is one of the most attacked books. Why? Because the epistle to the Hebrews set Jesus Christ apart. 
It shows the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. His name, his priesthood, his sacrifice, and his work. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, so it will be really a walk through Hebrews 11 today. In verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, that is God. For he who comes to God must believe that God is, that God exists, and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see, that's the starting point that God is Yahweh, self-existing, self-existent. He exists by himself. He wasn't created. That's the starting postulate, axiom, hypothesis, if you want. That's the starting point I'm coming to God who is always there. Remember that man who was praying, God, I don't know how to pronounce your name in Hebrews. How should I do it in English? And in his heart, he found always. And he calls God always. He who comes to God must. It's a must. He didn't come. Oh, Richard Dawkins said, oh, I used to believe, now I don't know what I, we've heard believers say, I used to believe, now I don't know what I'm believing in anymore. Drifting away. Do you know what drifting away is? Have you ever observed any boat or ship or ferry coming from the seashore? You don't realize at which point it's in the middle. It's so soft the way it goes. By the time you realize you are in the middle of the sea, that is drifting away from the faith. I no longer know. I used to believe, now I'm confused. But God is not the author of confusion. If you neglect God's admonition and precept, you will drift away. Unawares. It comes very softly, subtly, unawares. By the time you find yourself completely gone and become an enemy of the church. All the people who fill the house of parliament, they've all been in Sunday school. They've all been in school assemblies where they were taught Bible verses. Today, they're fighting Christianity. Let's be very, very careful. Remember, I've always stressed to you The difference between a good familiarity and a bad familiarity. A good familiarity with scriptures is knowing the books of the Bible, memorizing your scriptures. That's a good familiarity, you know. Understanding the Christian language, how we talk, spiritual things. That's a good familiarity. But there is a bad familiarity. I've heard that before. Oh, it's the same thing. Oh, they're just scaring us. That's young people. They're just scaring us. Why would I scare you? And if I do, I will be right. Knowing the terror of God, we persuade men. Now, in Romans ten seventeen, I think it is, it says, faith comes by the hearing. The hearing of the word of God. La foi vient de ce qu'on entend et ce qu'on entend vient de la parole de Dieu. I love this congregation because you all understand French now. Praise the Lord for that. I feel freer. So, there is a link between the word of God 
and the biblical faith. You know, previously, I disciplined myself every three, six, three months, etc., just to take time to read two chapters in the Bible. Psalm 119 and Hebrews 11. Because the two inform each other. And the dash in the middle was Romans 10.17. That links the two together. You grow in faith. Biblical faith. As you learn, you grow, you deepen your understanding and spiritual fellowship with God through his word. The supremacy of Jesus Christ, the supremacy of Jesus Christ's priesthood is demonstrated through the use of the superlative expressions such as better than angels in the book of Hebrews, better things, better hope, better testament, better covenant, better promises, better sacrifices, better country, Better resurrection, better things than that of Abel, higher than heaven, priest. Greater riches, greater and more perfect tabernacle, more excellent name than angels, more excellent ministry, more excellent sacrifice. You see, that set Jesus Christ apart. And that's why the book of Hebrews is attacked today. Catholicism and cult, Christian cult, they don't like the book of Hebrews because he set Jesus Christ apart, including the Christian headquarter. You see, the difference between biblical Christianity and Christian cult is that all the world religions and the so-called Christian cult, they all have two things in common. Number one, they all have a headquarter on the earth here. Not just the registered address, no. But the headquarter of an earthly priesthood. Those who run that headquarter are seen like the rightful representative of God. That is an earthly priesthood. Our priesthood is in heaven where Christ is. Secondly, they all preach salvation by work. All of them. You have to be loyal to the religion. You have to give your salvation by work. All of them. Both Christians and non-Christians cults. But the biblical faith is the one where Christ has done everything. When dying on the cross, he says, Teleo, Tetelestai, it is finished, paid in full. He's done it for us. That's the distinctiveness, the uniqueness of the biblical, or let's say Christian faith, now that you understand what I'm talking about. When I speak of Christian faith, in my mind, it is interchangeable with biblical faith because I now want to refer to the genuine faith. Jesus Christ is divine and unique. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no salvation in no other name. He is above angels, above mighty angels, angels are very powerful. Christ is above all of them. So it's a mistake to be worshipping angel. Do you remember the day I preached it here and I will show you a, a picture from the 60s here. Do you remember? Two or three people came after the service and say, uh, can we have that picture? And when one said to me, um, can I have a big format of it to put in a frame? 
I look at the person, I was just wise on that day. I said, no. I don't want to be the cause for your idolatry because we know how people be. Oh, because Jesus was in the cloud. This is his picture going to put there in a golden frame somewhere and then every morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I say, Pakistan, no. I'm not giving you. Go and search yourself. I'm not giving you. I'm preaching the word of God. You're not asking me for my notes to meditate at home. You're asking me a picture of cloud because of Jesus. Always prone to idolatry, idolatry, idolatry in this very church. Those are serious stuff. When are we, we labor and we prepare notes for the church here, how many people even take them? They're behind there. How many take them? How many even care about them? I saw a picture here. Someone comes very quickly after the service waiting for me. Then the first person, brother, I need to talk to you. Yes, can I have that to put in a frame? Sambo. Biblical Christianity versus versus Christian. I've said that already. Let's go. The right, <laughs> the rightful vicarious filly day. Do you know what that means? We are blessed to have someone from Italy here, and we are blessed to have someone from uh, deep Catholicism here. Vicarious Filii Dei means representative of the Son of God. Vicarious Christi, representative of Christ. In English you have vicar, which actually means substitute. That's what it means. Vicarious Christi. Vicarious Filii Dei, representative of Jesus on earth. But the rightful representative of Jesus Christ on earth is the Paracletos, is the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. I'm going, I'm sending you another myself, another comforter from God who will guide you, lead you, the Holy Spirit. Do you know that in the New Testament we are all priests? I can see your eyes. Someone is thinking. (laughs) We are all priests. And there's more. We are all saints. One day I called Dashiro Saint. Dashiro, she said, I'm not dead yet. Another person you call Saint Roger, me, doesn't believe he's a saint because of the idea of sainthood from Catholicism. Beatification, you have to be dead, the Pope has to come and do something. If someone calls you uh, Saint Ketia or Saint Enerita, is that a prophecy for me, my death? renewing of the mind. Paul is writing almost every letter to the saint in Philippi, the saint in this living people. Saint in Christ who has become our righteousness before God. And the righteousness of God for us. The only mediator between God and man. We are sanctified, set apart by him and called saints of the living God. Hello saints. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But what is faith itself? Now, you see, I'm not going to name and shame you. I'm looking at my Bible, but please wake up. I'm speaking loud enough and doing all the hard work here. Uh, I don't think this is a lullaby, honestly. Please, if you are tired, stand up, stretch yourself, that's fine, and then continue. I have about 25 or 30 minutes. Please listen to me. (laughs) It's for your edification. Don't sleep. Otherwise, we start snoring. God will shame you. 
So, what, what is faith itself then? I know what you're thinking about. You're thinking about Hebrews 11.1, 1, I think it is. But some people have disputed that that is not the definition for the faith. There are some controversy about, around that scripture. Some people say, no, it's, it's only a description. It's not the definition, etc., etc. Okay, but that's not an important matter. It doesn't matter. I take both. It's a definition and a description. That's okay. Why am I saying that? I was interested to see what the Encyclopedia Britannica thinks about that matter. Because that's where you have all the scholars when they treat, they're defining something that we call all the scholars in that field to examine and give a definition which will be reliable. Well, when I read that, I become convinced that they couldn't have achieved that without considering this definition from the Bible. You can't define other way what faith is. So, this is what they say. And you can recognize Hebrews 11 there. They say faith is the inner attitude, conviction, or trust relating human beings to a supreme God or ultimate salvation. In religious tradition, stressing divine grace, faith is the inner certainty or attitude of love granted by God himself. And they say this. In Christian theology, faith is the divinely inspired human response to God's historical revelation through Jesus Christ and consequently is of crucial importance. Well, I don't see the difference between that and what we have in the Bible. You can't define the Christian faith otherwise. In the Bible, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, faith is the substance. Substance. In French, it says, la foi est une ferme assurance. Ferme. It's a firm assurance. Unshakable. That's what it is in French. In English, substance. You know, a substance is tangible. It's tangible. But we don't see faith. Yet the Bible defines faith as a tangible thing. That is, the future... He's brought to the present. When Jesus Christ said, I am going to prepare places for you and I will come back, you take it as if it already happened. And you live in those things daily. That faith. A substance. Hebrews 11 verse 27, Moses endured as if he was seeing the invisible. Moïse marchait comme voyant l'invisible. So Moses was living as if he was seeing the invisible God. That is faith. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. They trust God. What he has promised will come to pass. He will come back. He's tiring. He's delaying. But he said he will come back. He never lies. He said he's not a thief. But he will come like a thief. Anytime. Therefore, that hope should have a purifying effect. On us. Because we know. Know the time. Know the day. Know the hour. Of the rapture. 
In the olden time, believers gathered together and they sang, soon and very soon, we are going to see. They sang, shall we gather at the river where saints have trod? You know the next I will say, what we like singing these days. I'm skipping that for now. Faith is a response to God. It is a response that is based on what God himself has provided. Christ is the author and the finisher of that faith. We have to trust in God. We hear a lot about have faith. That means nothing to us. What is have faith? The Bible says, trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. Believe in God. Have faith in God. Not just have faith. Faith does not mean Christianity. You have Hindu faith, Islamic faith, atheistic faith even. Because not believe that there is a God is a faith too. It's a belief that there is no God. First Peter 1 Peter 1.7 speaks of the genuineness of your faith. Being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, God wants to maintain, to, 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 to feed, to nourish the faith until Jesus Christ comes. God wants, he is the one doing that work in us to grow us to become immovable, steadfast, established, rooted, grounded, and built up in the faith. That's what God wants to do. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, it speaks of uh, the need to take up the shield of faith with which we'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You see, faith is the only thing that is left unseen from outside when you've lost everything. I'm not going to say you because you will be scared. When I'm about to die, let me put it on myself. If I say you, you will say, I don't like that kind of prophecy. When I'm about to die, the only thing that is left is faith in God. When they came to see me, I was uh, half somewhere else. I had my Bible on my chest. They couldn't get in, in the room. They were forbidden. I look at them from the window. I show the Bible. I say this. Don't forget if I go. And they cry. And one of them became a Christian. You see that? But they will grow in a Christian family. I thought they were all Christians. <laughs> you heard Keta testifying here how she became a Christian when I was about to die. A warning to parents. Don't be too comfortable. They grew up all, they were present in the church, all of them prayed for, dedicated to God, but he take the dad nearly dying to come to Christ. I've never been under the illusion that all of them are, are Christian. We will see as we move forward. Many parents become distressed because they think their children are Christian. You know, Calvinists be, be believe that their children are automatically saved. Oh. That's why you see parents are so distressed when children begin to go that way because they had convinced themselves that their children are Christians. No. I say to them, I've given you everything I need to give you and to tell you every day we do that. Yesterday, three hours praying and teaching them three hours on a Saturday. I say, I give you everything. If you choose to turn your back on God, it's your problem. It's not my problem. I'm not under the illusion that they are automatically Christian. It will be apparent as they move forward. <laughs> Parents are distressed when children start going this way because they've convinced themselves that, you know, our children, they sing Christian songs, therefore they are children. No. Tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. Tell them to make the choice. 
Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he chose. Il préféra. He preferred. There was a choice for Moses. And he chose to suffer with the people of God. The shame of Christ. Don't be misled with children. Attention. For without faith it is not possible to please God. What is the opposite of faith then? Mistrust. Distrust. Fear. Doubt. All those things oppose faith. Hence God repeatedly reminding us, fear not, fear not, trust in the Lord, fear not, fear, because God wants us to have faith in him. For without faith, it is impossible, politically incorrect, impossible to please God. Well, you may come with your nice, eloquent word, nice grammar, etc. Without faith, he goes nowhere. It is impossible to please God. If we want to please the Lord and truly give glory to his name, we need to live by faith. Habakkuk, I think it's 2 verse 4, I think it is. The just shall live by faith. Faith is crucial. Faith in God is important. When sick, when lacking money, when suffering, when dismayed, when in distress, when, 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 when? Faith in God. Radical cross. Job. Though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. I know my redeemer live. In the end he will rise. That's someone who has lost everything. There's no reputation There's no health, there's no money, everything is gone. What is left? Faith, the shield of faith. With which we'll be able to quench every fiery dart from the enemy. Faith is important, but what's the material of that faith? Of which material is that faith made? Of the word permanent of God. Is the word of God that brings that faith in us and we grow. God is with me. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is with me. God, 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 God. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith, it's not my imagination. It's not my appreciation of the situation. Faith is in God. And if it's in God, it has to be nourished and sustained by the permanent and eternal word of God. Hence, the need, crucial necessity for the believers to be taught and established in these things. That we will not be shaking, tossed to and fro and carried away by every wind of doctrine. That we shall be equipped and edified in the Lord. For a clean, good, squared faith in God. Unshakable, immovable. Okay. We haven't read a lot. You read a lot. Some people like reading quite a lot. Okay, let's just, for comfort, let's read 12 verses. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 12. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 12. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good testimony. By faith we understand that the world were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Verse 4. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gift 
and through it he being dead still speaks by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him for before he was taken he had this testimony that he pleased God verse 6 but without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him by faith Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen moved with godly fear prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10. For he waited for the city which had foundation, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Verse 12. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude. Innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Without faith it is impossible to please God. The biblical faith the nature of the biblical faith. So, a recap here. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. This chapter introduces us to people who had a clear spiritual vision and an understanding of the faith in God. They endured tremendous shame and suffering rather than renouncing their faith in God. Faith in God brings the future within the present and makes the invisible sin. Verse 27, Moses endured as seeing the invisible. That's faith. My righteous shall live by faith. Faith is confidence in the trustworthiness of God. It's a conviction that what God says is true and that what he promises will come to pass. An anti-Christian critic once said, you can't convince people to recant their faith, what they believe, but you can cause them to doubt it. Many people are sitting today in the churches, they no longer believe in God. They dilute scriptures. They pick and choose what is the word of God and what is not. Doubt is there. Priests, pastors, I no longer know what to believe in. Why? Because of books. Believers no longer spend time in the Bible. You think people have Bible knowledge? No. They read other books, including bad ones. And you can see that through their teaching, that something is quite wrong. It's the source. Bad Bible commentaries. Bad exposition of the Bible. They just take it because they consider those people to be infallible. But even Peter himself, Paul, withstood him. You remember about one or two years ago I preached here on Christian hedonism 
and I expose the work of John Piper, I've never been attacked. I've never been attacked for exposing Christian hedonism from John Piper. That's the day I realized that this is very serious. People say, do you know how many followers he has? Well, that's not my problem. How many? The Berean examine everything Paul taught, whether things were so. Paul never said, I'm the apostle. I met Christ. I went in the third heaven, etc. No. He said they were more fair-minded than the Thessalonians in that they received the word of God, number one, with all readiness and they examine everything every day. Paul was not frustrated for being checked and scrutinized. Who are you, Gi? I'm a Gi Kasongo only. Everybody must come to scrutiny. Nobody is above the Bible. Paul, Peter, all of them, except the Pope, because he's infallible. You know, when they're proven wrong, you know, the Pope says something and it's proven wrong. Oh, no, you see, it's only when the, when the Pope speaks ex cathedra, you know, outside the pulpit, they try to fabricate some explanation to mislead people. So you can't convince people to recant their faith, but you can cause them to doubt it. This is the reason, the very foundation of the Christian faith, biblical faith is being undermined daily. Evolution is opposed to creation, reincarnation is opposed to resurrection, brain is now the new God, relative morality is opposed to God, absolute standard of morality. All those things are coming to shake the Christian foundation, all those things. Unfortunately, those are creeping into the church as well. Is my right. I have every right to say this. Well, we have every right, but God's right comes first. Hence the question in Psalm 11, verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? I'm looking at my watch because I always aim to finish at one, but I'm reminding you that I start at 15. Bear with me. Sorry. Psalm 11, verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed, question to you, brothers and sisters, what can the righteous do? What are we going to do? We attack and press from every part. The very foundation of our faith is being attacked from every part. Question, what shall the righteous do? Where is the hope? The hope is in the faith that overcomes those things. The word of God. Paul speaks of bringing down every argument and thought that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. So the word of God and his spirit, as Billy Graham called them, the two spies of God on earth as the only hope. The word of God and his spirit will sustain us. Will sustain the faith to be able to quench every fiery dart that is coming from all over the place. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. God's truth is also being suppressed in unrighteousness to the extent that virtue is now seen as vice and vice versa. Evil is called good and good is called evil. Darkness is confused with light and vice versa as stated in Isaiah 5 verse 20. And the Lord say, Woe unto those who do that work. It's no longer about choosing what is wrong, what is about even knowing what is good and what is bad. And there are people who are working tirelessly to break the barrier between the two so that people are confused. You know, people don't know what is good. And then they come to the conclusion, if it's good for me, that it must be good to everybody. Who sets the rules? And where are we going? 
When you contradict me, people like you should be killed. Because that's how I feel, is my rule. That's how I feel, it must be right to kill people who oppose me. That's where we're going. Because of the increase in iniquity and unrighteousness, the love of many will grow cold. The Bible says, <laughs> question, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? We think about faith, enduring faith. The Son of God marveled, will he really find faith when he comes back? Now, the Christian faith, it must be said, is not a leap in the dark. Listen. By, I think that's in verse 3 maybe, somewhere. Yeah, verse 3. By faith, what's the next word? We understand. The Christian faith is not a leap in the dark, you know, because Abraham was about to sacrifice his son. You can take your son to go and put in fire because God will call you his friend, etc. No. The Christian faith is reasonable faith. By faith, we understand that this world came from an unseen origin, from God who is invisible. That through his word he created everything. You see, by faith we understand. Do you think the Western people are the most super intelligent people in the world? No. You have super brilliant mathematicians in India. They did a lot in algebra and all those things. But why is science so advanced in the West? That's the influence of Christianity. They understood that God made this world and this world can be understood. This world can be explored and they can develop this world to find solution to humans' problems to make life easier. And they begin to work, experiment, and science. That's why they were more advanced. So again, is the belief that this world can be understood because it was the omniscient God who created it that made this superiority of the West and the understanding and the advancement of science. In India, they believe that everything is illusion. Have you heard of the Maya stuff? Everything is illusion. What we have here is just a reflection of the reality which is immaterial. Therefore, we cannot understand it. We cannot explore. We cannot develop. With all the big brain in India, they've been behind until they begin to send people in universities here. Now they're going back with knowledge, including the Chinese people. They're taking now the knowledge here and going back to build their country. What would happen to us as we begin to abandon that very foundation? What would happen to us? Going back on the back of the queue. By faith we understand that God made the world. The Christian faith is not a leap in the dark. In the year 2005-06, there was a list of 700 scientists who opposed Darwinism social Darwin, all the variances of Darwinism, they opposed. And they went out courageously and they wrote a statement that we can no longer accept that it's unsustainable. The postulate, the axiom, the hypothesis, the basis of evolution is scientifically unsustainable. 700 at that time. That list today has 28 pages now. Thousands of thousands. You can get the link from me if you want. 28 pages of first class, world class scientists who say we can no longer sustain. It's unsustainable, Darwinism. There are things Darwin did not know. And they are Christians. So Christianity is not opposed to science. Because you find young people who are very ashamed and embarrassed. If I say I'm a Christian, no, you can be, you can be Christian and be excellent. Top, world-class student, you can be that. If you study. But if you're playing, you will be ashamed. 
We have a big brain such as uh, Isaac Newton, the father of modern physics. Those people believed in God. I'm not mentioning C.S. Lewis. Outstanding brain, intelligent intellect, people who believe God. You can't stand with them from the academic point of view. But those people believe in God. And many, many, many more who believe in God. So we should not be ashamed of believing in God and thinking that, oh, listen, you know, I'm undermining my science, etc. No. Richard Dawkins once said, Christianity, uh, the Bible is uh, dangerous for children. Can you believe that? The word of God becomes dangerous. Evolution is good. You can tell children that, you know, if you're killing someone, it could be a mosquito. It can be anything you're killing. So the Christian faith is compatible with science, and that ex- I've said that already. No need to repeat. Genuine Christian faith is not limited. Ah, this is well, this is good. The genuine Christian faith is not limited to probabilities or to possibilities. You see, many people say they have a faith. No, they've worked out the probability for something happening. You know, they go to a job interview. You know, the interviewer, the interview panel was quite happy with the answer. They come out, they say, I have faith that I will have that job. You see? But not when everything is zero. That is not faith. Faith goes outside the realm of possibilities. Someone say, if faith is understood within possibilities, God is not glorified. Faith goes beyond. We've just read Sarah. What was the probability for Sarah to have a child? What was the probability for Lazarus to rise from the dead? That's the faith we're talking about. That's the Christian faith. When situations are completely blocked in your life and you cry out to the Lord, you must believe that God calls into existence things that are not. Not work according to probabilities. That is not faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 is also known as the hall of fame. It shows that those who trust in God also lived by faith in their daily life. Their testimony speaks for them and their actions were inspired by faith in God. And he was pleased with them. Verse 13. They all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off. Can you see that? They die in faith, not having received all the promise, but they... But having seen them afar off, were assured of them and embraced them. That's the application of the definition of faith. They were assured of them. They saw them afar off, but received them now and embraced. You can't embrace what you don't see. That's substance. Faith is a substance. They embrace the promise of God. That's what faith it is. I'm in verse 13. They all died in faith, not having received the promises. Well, there's something called Christian faith today, which is fake. We're telling God what to do every day. Confess, 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 it will happen. That's witchcraft. That's witchcraft. You are called to pray. You have no power to command things. You call to pray, God. Why are the world created? Yes, the word of God himself, because he is the creator. He created when he was speaking. You go and try and see what you're going to create today. Try now. Nothing. 
But people are quite happy that, with that, you know, word of faith, word of faith, you know, declare, you know, you know I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Fake. That's not the Christian faith. These people, God is honest, they died without receiving the promise. Who is responsible for that? Who, who should be embarrassed? God. How can God give promise and they die without receiving promise? These people have been so faithful to God. Can you see the world in which we're living now and the kind of chief discounted, counterfeit Christianity? And people quite like that because it makes them feel happy and contribute to make things happen when nothing is happening. I've told you if I support Arsenal, you support Manchester, and I believe that Arsenal, regardless, you believe, who's going to win? At the end of the day, one must take the cup. Fake. What did they do? They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. That's the attitude. That's the attitude. I've told you. If you're traveling and you're taking a flight connection, yes, your feet, bodily, you are in the airport, but your eyes are on the screen. When they say, get 22 now, boarding, you take your bag and you run. Being physically your feet in the airport walking, maybe taking a coffee, but all your attention are there. Look up. Wait for the Son of God. We are going. We are on a journey. Christ is coming back. We are strangers and pilgrims. This is not our home. We are going. We are going. We are going. Let that mind sustain you. Do not accept any cheap discounted fake. Cheap faith. Which will only disappoint you. Verse 14, for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now, they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. Verse 39. And all these having obtained a good testimony through faith. Did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us. That they should not be made perfect apart from us. Without faith. It is impossible to please God. I think we may come back next time, God willing, to Hebrews 12, because Hebrews 12 is the conclusion of what you've been studying this morning. You are surrounded by a so great cloud of witness, therefore run with endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Let's pray. Lord, we bless you and we say thank you for your grace for your help, for sustaining us in this journey because Jesus Christ, the captain of the army of God, whose name is above all angel, whose sole name we must be saved, the only mediator between God and man who gave himself a ransom for us. Lord, we bless you. We commit our lives unto your hand. Hold our hand, Lord, and guide us. Bless us, Lord, as we depart. Bless our times together and the uh, church business meeting shortly. Help us, Lord. We commit every individual here, every brother and sister, unto your hand for the rest of the journey. We give all the praise, all the glory, all the thanksgiving to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for your patience.